Evening guys, welcome to another midweek service. Today we're going to be continuing on through John chapter 10. But before we go in, we'll just pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with us tonight as we go through your word, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds to what you want to say tonight. That you would be with uh, each and every one of us, each up be showing us uh, different things, whether it's the main uh, message that you're drawing out here or whether it's just uh, side points that you just want to reveal to each of us individually. Father, I pray that you would speak through me tonight, that you would use me as your vessel, that you would give me your words to speak, that they would be your words and not my own, and that the message today would be glorifying to you, and that each and every one of us would be edified and encouraged um, and uh, would desire to uh, put your word into action in our lives, that you would help us to do so uh, through your strength. And uh, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So we are in verse 11. As a quick recap from where we're going to be picking up, Jesus has been speaking to the people. He's given them a parable about a shepherd and some sheep. And last week he was talking about how he is the gate to get into the sheepfold. And we were talking a bit about how Jesus is the only way and how he is the method by which people can enter in to the sheep. So, verse 11 picks up and it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. Verse 11 picks up with, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus' fourth I am statement that we see in the Gospel of John here with the first one being he is the bread of life in John 6, talking about how he is the sustainer and the satisfier. In John 8, we then saw Jesus talk about how he is the light of the world, how he's the source of light, how he illuminates the blind. In uh, just last week, John chapter 10, we saw Jesus saying, I am the gate or I am the door in some translations, talking about how there's no way to enter the kingdom but through Jesus Christ. Then here we see Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. Each and every one of these is a definitive role with a meaning behind it. How Jesus is the good shepherd, this role that he fulfills, how it's a role in contrast to the hired hands that Jesus is talking about here. How he has sheep that he looks after and he looks after them well. How he's not just any shepherd, he is the good shepherd. How there's only one shepherd, there's only one God. Uh, several weeks ago, we were reading in Deuteronomy 32 about Jesus, uh, sorry, about the Lord, when he talks about how he is the only God. In uh, verse 39 of chapter 32, he says, Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. He talks about how he is the almighty God and there is none other beside him. Then in Isaiah 40, God draws out how he is this shepherd. He says in Isaiah 40 verse 11, he says, He will feed his flocks like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. He is the true almighty 
good shepherd. And he is good, which means he is perfect, he is pure, he is the best shepherd that there possibly is. Then he contrasts himself with these hired hands. How there is this good shepherd who leads his sheep, then there are the hired hands. And when danger comes, what does the good shepherd do? He sacrifices his life for the sheep. Now, obviously, there's some prophetic meaning behind what Jesus is saying here as well, which we'll delve into a little bit more when we cover some of the lower verses next week. And we'll go a little bit more into that. But he's talking about how he is selfless, how he is willing to sacrifice himself because he loves his sheep. Whereas the hired hand will just run away. He doesn't really care for the sheep. He's not invested. <clears throat> it reveals his true nature. How the fact that this hired hand isn't a true shepherd and the sheep don't really belong to him. Jesus is contrasting himself with this hired hand then, saying, really? They're not true shepherds. I, myself, am the true shepherd and I am a good shepherd. Trouble has then revealed where their hearts lay. With the good shepherd, it shows, it reveals in the heart, actually, the shepherd loves his sheep. With the hired hand, trouble reveals the hired hand doesn't really care for the sheep. The hired hand's there for himself. He's there, as we read a little bit later on, he's there for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. You think in a lot of shops, for instance, when shops will get held up, whether by gunpoint or by knife, whatever it is, if the shopkeeper's there, behind the till, usually the shopkeeper will do what they can to stop the robbers from getting the money. They will try and they'll stand in the way, they will put up some resistance. Whereas, if it's just someone who's been hired to work at the shop, and they get held up, they usually just, just take the money, just take the money. They're not invested. They don't really care about the shop, they really just care about themselves. Whereas the one who is actually invested will stand in the gap. I remember when um, I was wanting to go to this uh, particular chicken shop that I knew was really good in Birmingham. And I wanted to take my brother there. And I said to him as you know, we kind of pulled up in this really dodgy area, because that's where all the good food is, dodgy areas. We pulled in this area and uh, I, said to, I said to my brother, I was like, hey, look, Birmingham is not anything like Worcester, okay? You can't walk down the street, look all hard, you can't stare a guy in the face and he'll just look away. If you stare a guy in the face, he'll pull, up a, pull out a knife and he'll stab you. So don't do that. And my brother's like, oh, yeah, 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 no worries, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool, sounds good. And I said that because I was telling him, look, I don't want to have to get into a fight here. I don't want to get involved in anything, and I don't want you to get involved in anything. I don't want you to get hurt, I don't want me to get hurt, I don't want anyone to get hurt in this whole situation. Because, because I love Josh, because I love my brother, I'm not just going to say, oh, you know what, uh, yeah, you're in trouble, that's your problem, see ya. I love him, so I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to try and make sure, hey, 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 really sorry for the dis disagreement, he didn't mean to try and pick a fight, he didn't know what he was doing. I'm going to try and stand in the gap because I love my brother. If I didn't, if I wasn't invested, then I would just run. And it's the same way with these hired hands and the shepherd. The shepherd loves his sheep, so he says, I am standing in the gap. Whereas the hired hand says, it's your problem, sorry, see ya, and leaves. Whereas the shepherd 
then reveals to us that Jesus himself says, actually, you guys are called to be like, likewise. That is the good shepherd. We're called to be actually selfless, not selfish. If we're going to follow Jesus' example, which actually shows, hang on, Jesus was willing to die for the sheep. Jesus actually loved the sheep. So likewise, I should do the same. We should be self-giving, not self-preserving. We can say this, yes, okay, cool, this is talking about shepherds then. It's talking about Jesus setting an example for any shepherds then to look after the sheep. True, yeah. Any pastors, any shepherds should do likewise as Jesus sets the example. But it isn't just for the shepherds. Each of us, whether in a shepherd's capacity or not, are called to live likewise. Mark 12 verse 31 says, The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. This is the second of these greatest commandments that Jesus gets asked about. <clears throat> Where we love one another as we love ourselves. Treating one another as we ourselves would like to be treated. Living in a selfless way, in this way. When problems arise, being willing to stand by someone, to help defend them, to help stand by someone when someone's going through a really rough time, or when sin or disagreements happen, actually loving and being kind and gentle towards that person because we know that we would like people to do this likewise to us if we were in that situation. In all things, then, treating one another as we would like to be treated. But do we do this focused just entirely on the people, with our focus on the people? No. And it might sound a bit weird, because we think, oh, well, but I'm supposed to be loving others as I love myself, right? So I'm focusing on them. No, because in Mark 12, verse 30, the Lord actually lays out the first of those two. He says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So then, if we're loving the Lord first, we then love his people. So our focus is on the Lord, and loving people stems from that. So then, we're not disappointed or saddened when someone doesn't agree with how we may have treated them and said, hey, you know, I just want to you know, help you out with this, and people get all, oh, no, I didn't need your help. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Instead of being sad or disappointed about that, we can say, hey, it's okay. I'm not doing this because purely because I love the person. I'm doing this because I love the Lord, and because I love the Lord, I love those that he loves, which means I'm loving this person. So then it gives us the ability to continue loving even when we don't feel like it, even when things are a little bit difficult. Verse 12 then continues on with the shepherd, with the hirelings then, to say when the hireling flees, and so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. When love isn't shown to the flock, there are consequences to that. When the sheep are with a hired hand, who actually loves themselves more than they love the sheep that they're there to help look after, then there are problems to that. When the person who loves themselves more than they love the rest of the sheep says, actually, I'm not, I'm not having anything to do with this, I'm going, 
or I'm not dealing with this, or they love themselves more than they love the sheep, and they're still with the sheep, it means the sheep are going to come under attack. There are going to be consequences to that. Sometimes it looks like the sheep being just taught wrong things. Sometimes it means sheep are then actually led astray into sin. Sometimes it simply means that the sheep will be attacked and the leader, the one who's trying to, who's meant to be there to take care of them, actually just hides and lets the sheep deal with the consequences because they care for themselves more than they care for the sheep. This obviously then leads to consequences where one, the leader obviously is going to be in trouble because they're the one who's there to help take care of God's children and because they don't, because they love themselves more than they love God's children, the Lord's then going to be the one to deal with them. They have to face the Lord because they're the one leading God's children astray. You just think how any parents, you think how you would feel towards someone who is helping to take care of your child if they decided to mistreat them or just abandon them. You'd obviously be hurt and annoyed. And likewise, the Lord feels, hey, these are my children and you're supposed to be helping take care of them and you're running away when there's trouble or you're teaching them wrong things. So obviously, they have to face the Lord for that. But then, the sheep are the ones who are actually dealing with a lot of consequences as well. The sheep are, for one, someone, sometimes they're believing wrong things, so they live wrong or they end up uh, believing things that get in, their, get in the way of their relationship with the Lord. For instance, I grew up uh, with parents who loved the Lord and believed the Lord, but then some of the churches that we went to, they didn't teach that repentance was a thing for Christians. It was just something you did when you came to know the Lord and that was it. You didn't really have to worry about it. So it started to creep into, hang on a minute, this is actually getting in the way of my relationship with the Lord because I started thinking I could just live my own way however I wanted to rather than actually living the way the Lord wanted me to because repentance wasn't a thing that I saw as Christians Christians needed to do it. It was just, oh yeah, non-Christians need to do it to then come to know the Lord and that's it, that's when you repent. But actually seeing, wait, this is a continual thing. It's something that continually happens throughout our lives because we're going to be continually sinning against the Lord but we want to continually do what's right. So then turning from those things and turning back to the Lord. And so then it gets in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes it's sheep being led into sin and then now struggling with issues that then harm their relationship with the Lord. Sometimes it's sheep then being hurt, which sometimes then leads to sheep walking away from church, feeling as if, well, this isn't what Christianity is supposed to be about. Or, so-and-so treated me like this. I didn't think that was how Jesus was. But then saying, hey, look, let's be focused on the gospel. Let's be focused on the word, because that's what Jesus is about. So when sheep are then attacked, they're scattered. Because trouble has a way of causing disunity. That's what the enemy wants, ultimately. But it's up to us to say, hey, we can't let the enemy do this. A flock is stronger when they're then unified under one shepherd. So it's then saying, hey, we need to be unified under Christ, who is our good shepherd. However, it isn't only the hired hand that can cause sheep to be in trouble. Because sometimes uh, we like to just throw blame and say, oh, well, it's because of such and such, or because it's because of so and so. But instead to say, actually, 
it's because of me. That's that's why I'm in trouble. Because sheep can get themselves in trouble. When sheep decide to wander off on their own, that's when the shepherd has to go, oh, Jeremy's not here. I need to go find Jeremy. He's probably off in the woods again, finding bears. So then the shepherd has to go and find Jeremy the sheep. And sometimes we do likewise. The Lord says, hey, let me lead you along the right path. And we say, oh, this looks nice. Oh, I'm going to go try this. And we go off and we try our own thing, wandering from the Lord's path and actually getting ourselves into trouble. Whether it's sin, whether it's bad beliefs, or whether it's just attacks of any different kind. So it's important we do two things. One, we stay with our shepherd, which means for us reading the word and listening to the Holy Spirit. That when he says, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, saying, yep, you're right, I won't, and I'm going to continue on with where you're having me right now. And saying, hey, I need to actually be well fed, that means I need to read the word, I need to spend time with the Lord. But then two, it's also then staying unified, saying, hey, I need to make sure I'm in fellowship, even though sometimes I might not get, get along with so-and-so or so-and-so aggravates me, but it's saying, hey, you know what? We're all united under one shepherd. I'm called to love this person regardless, so let's be unified. Then, loving one another and building one another up in the faith, because these then help us to spot issues like sin or bad beliefs in our own lives, but then also it helps us to spot hired hands and the troubles that come with that. Verse 13 says a, li a little bit more on the motivation behind the hired hand. It says, the hired hand runs away, because he's working only for the money, and doesn't really care about the sheep. This motive for the hired hand, then, is money. The hired hand is focused on self, so he's focused on the money rather than he is actually the sheep. And that's the reason why they're a bad hired hand, because they're looking after something else, they're looking after themselves more than they are the sheep that they're actually meant to be there for. And that's the reason why a lot of the sheep are getting hurt. Because the hired hand, the one who's meant to be there to help be a shepherd, isn't actually helping. They're actually really useless. They're really just there for themselves, for the money. The hired hand loves something else more than the hired hand actually loves the sheep. And many of the religious leaders of the time did that. That's why Jesus is calling out, calling them out. They loved money, they loved power, they loved the status that came with being a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Or they loved the fame of it. The people would come to them and they would just sit and listen for hours. Or they had the authority to say things and people would just believe them. Or simply just an occupation to say, hey, it's a pretty good occupation, it's pretty cozy, pretty comfy, I'm going to go do this and I know everything will be fine. But instead, the Lord's calling them out. He's saying, hey, you guys are doing this. And you guys are loving yourselves and your money more than you guys are loving the sheep. And actually, are God's sheep, the ones who you've been there to take care of, but you're just hired hands. You love yourselves, you love your money more than you love my sheep. Where I am the good shepherd, I have come to lay my life down, that these sheep might have life. And so Jesus is going into this, and which we'll speak about a little bit more next week, where they loved the sheep more, sorry, they loved themselves more than they loved the sheep. And... They'd actually been entrusted with these sheep because they weren't theirs. They were the Lord's and they'd been entrusted with them and they were doing a really horrible job because they didn't really care for the sheep, nor did they really care for the shepherd. They just cared 
for themselves and for their own money. Had they have actually loved the Lord first, then they would have loved the sheep more than these different things like status or power or money, but many of them didn't. And we can complain about them, we can say, oh man, these Pharisees. But we actually need to pay careful attention ourselves because we do a lot of these same things that we can complain about the Pharisees for. Because those things are very physical and very obvious things for us to look at and say, oh, shame on them. But a lot of those things are actually in our hearts. Sometimes they're things other people don't see. And so we have to say with David, search me, O God. To say, actually, Lord, I know that I'm blind to my own sin. So, Lord, that you would show me the sin in my life, that you would reveal that to me. So, likewise, that we would do the same. Because we can complain about them, but it's looking inwardly saying, hey, is my focus on other things? And likewise for us, are we focusing our time, our efforts, our trust, or our love into things, or ourselves even, more than God? When we're short on money, do we worry and fret about that, and how, how can we fix this and focus everything on that, rather than saying, actually, Lord, I know I've tried to do right with my money. I'm just going to trust you that you're going to help take care of us. And so then saying, I don't need to worry because I can trust the Lord. And yes, it's easier said than done, but actually we can turn to the Lord and we can say, hey, Lord, please help me with this. And he will. He will help us to put our trust in him because sometimes it will be through giving us those situations where we need to, where we actually need to practice that. So we say, Lord, just help me to trust you with this because I can easily worry and fret about this. But I know I just need to trust that you're my provider and that you're going to help take care of me because you love me. That I'm not in this life on my own, that I'm actually your child and you're going to help take care of me. Do we sometimes spend so much time doing all the different things that we need to do that we really only spend a little time with God in the day? Just whatever we can fit it in or sometimes just saying, you know what, I'm too tired. I'm sure the Lord understands and just leave it. Or do we say, actually, Lord, I want to give you my first fruits. I want to give you the best part of my day. I want to give you the best part of my time because you're deserving of that. So I say, because I love you, I want to spend time with you. The same way any husband can say to his wife, hey, oh, I'm sorry, I've just been so busy providing that, you know, I haven't had time to spend with you. She's not going to appreciate that. She's going to say, well, I would rather you actually just spend time with me, even if it's just a little bit of the day. Instead of saying, oh, I'm too tired, I'm sure you understand. <laughs> but actually saying, hey, because of our love for the Lord, we're going to say, Lord, I want to spend time with you. So Lord, help me make time, because I know, you, I know you made time anyway. So whether it's this part in the morning, just waking up a little bit earlier, or uh, parts in the evening, sometimes just saying, hey, you know what, I might be tired, but I'm going to spend time with the Lord, and I know that the Lord's going to honour that in helping me with the things that I'm going to worry about if I didn't do that. So saying, hey Lord, I love you, so I want to give you my best. We each have to account, take an account for these different things in our own lives and refocus on the Lord because our focus can easily be distracted on these different things that can uh, cause us to worry or to fret. But instead saying, hey Lord, I want to give you my love, my trust, uh, my time, I want to give you my everything. Because when we do that, 
we're better sheep and we're better shepherds for those of us that might be shepherds in different uh, areas. We unite better and we love better because our motivation isn't ourselves. Our motivation comes from our Savior, from our Lord, because we love Him. So then everything stems from that. Not only then saying, hey, because you love this person, I will then love so-and-so. For instance, like before Juan came, I did know Juan a little bit anyway, but to say, actually, because Dave loves Juan, so I'm then going to love Juan. And likewise, we can say with the Lord, hey, Lord, because you love this person that I find really irritating, I'm going to love this person that I might find really irritating, that then they wouldn't be really irritating, because actually, I love them more than any irritation or any anything that they might do to cause that. To say, hey, I want to live to please you, Lord, rather than living to please myself. Because then, we're not only living right before the Lord, pleasing the Lord, but then we're better witnesses in the world where other people can look to us and say, hey, why are you like this? Why is this? Why is that? Why do you love so-and-so even though they're so like this? We can say, actually, it's because of the Lord. Because I love the Lord, I can love so-and-so. Or because even though so-and-so may have done this, I love them. And so, why am I going to do anything back? That then, that would be a testament to them, that we can be witnesses of the Lord through our love and through our unity likewise. So we're going to end there, and we're going to pick up in verse 14 next week. But I'll just pray. Father, I just pray to you and I thank you for your words. I pray that you would uh, help us to apply each and every one of these things in our lives. That you'd help us to uh, love better, to be united better, to uh, focus ourselves on you, not on uh, the different people around us or uh, even on ourselves. Uh, but Father, that we would be uh, united in you, that we would be focused on you, and we would be loving you. And that you would give us uh, the strength to live right and that you'd help us to be uh, better witnesses for you in the world. Uh, Father, that you'd help us to uh, not only um, apply these things in our lives, but to remember them as well. That we would continually apply these things in our lives. That we would continue to live right before you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.